0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. Leonore Will Never Die drops us into the wildly imaginative internal life of Leonore a retired filmmaker who reads the obits and prefers to talk to her dead son, Ron Waldo, rather than her living one, Rudy, who is on her case for not paying the electric bill. One day, Leonore is struck on the head by a TV that's been thrown out of a window and ends up in a state of sleeping and waking. The film is called Leonore will never die. We're joined today by the writer and director of this wonderful film, Martika Ramirez-Escobar. Martika, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you, Mike, and thanks, Film School Radio. Thanks, Uh, everyone who's tuned in.
0: I've got to tell you, this is one of the most inventive, creative films that I've seen in a long time. And it helps that it has this sense of humor. There's a lot of emotion going on in the course of the film, a lot of different storylines. What inspired this film?
1: Um, it's really hard for me to answer that question because I think Leonor is inspired by so many things slash too many things. <laughs> and then writing this for four years, it um, I think it formed into different um, films. But the real beginning was during a workshop in the Philippines. It's a filmmaking workshop run by people who used to work in the action film industry. And they would come to class dressed up as if they looked like action film characters. And that was their normal fashion. And so my friends and I, we wondered, what is it about that era that makes these people dress like that? And then I tried to reflect on it deeper. And I think, it's because they probably see themselves as characters in, in a film and i see life as one big film as well so suddenly it it makes sense and i think like leonore is also partly an existential crisis about not knowing how to write our lives well or about trying to write the best versions of our lives too so it's a mix of an observation a reflection and also I remember growing up, our president was a former action star. So there's also that musing over our fascination with cinema and celebrities and action heroes. So it's the mix of all these thoughts that formed Leonor. And what's surprising is that even though it started with that thought, it actually ended up being something else. (laughs) And I just realized after finishing the film, it became a film about celebrating the joy of making films with your friends, with people you want to make films with. So yeah, I, I like how it became a growing thing.
0: In terms of your creative process, from what you just described, it sounds like you're very open to new ideas and new directions in in the process of doing something. Is that is that a fair way to put it? How are you? When
1: it, it It is. I'd say I am very open or I just became open. We spent so long in completing this film, like eight years, that you can't really help but be open to the changes of the project. I was a different person eight years ago and mm-hmm. we all are different people eight years ago. And so naturally the work changed along with me it changed along with the people around it I think one of the keys to it's uh not I'm not sure if I should I should call it success but um, one of the things that completed the film is our openness and our trust that no matter what happens we will make the film
0: there's a scene near the end of the film which mm-hmm. I think is indicative of what you described they're on the rooftop they're talking <laughs> and i don't know where that happened in the process of making this film mm-hmm. it it's at the end of this film so i'm one, but it feels very much in keeping with the spirit of the film mm-hmm. without giving too much away you obviously you know what i'm talking about there's this right. there's this idea of yes of re, I, re, essentially I, I going back elaborate. and rewriting a very important part of the film in a very different way so
1: I I can talk about that if you like. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm just curious how how close to reality was was that scene?
1: So with Leonor, I have a love-hate relationship to the project. Probably in the second year, I hated it so much. I was able to finish a different script. I wanted to make a different project, a different film. But people were on board already and my producers were really interested in making this film happen. So I still stuck to Leonor. But part of me felt like I didn't like the film, but I was still doing it. And so there's this crisis of why am I making this? Who is this what is this film for? Um, what is my motivation? And there are so many questions. And I just wanted that to appear somehow in the film. And so I wanted to make a scene where the director is talking with an editor. And the director is not supposed to be me. It's supposed to be an actor in, in the script. But we didn't have budget. And so I play the director. And everyone else in the script, are our, our production staff, I mean in the scenes, all of the extras, even the doctors and the nurses, some of them are our interns. The pregnant man is our talent coordinator. The people in the film set, it's my mother. So it's really like the people we dragged along in this journey. And so it really became this whole, I don't know, um, a crisis again. And so I just thought it would naturally, I mean, having myself talk about this crisis in the film just makes so much sense.
0: Well, let's revisit the sort of the basic outline of the story. I, I know in the introduction, I gave some sense of it, but in sort of a digestible way, because the film, almost at every opportunity takes off <laughs> in another direction. There's so many different ways in which the the film is, you mentioned this existential part of the film. It is about a, a woman at near the end of her life, a- assessing the things that she has done and would like to still do this yeah. relationship between her and her son and there's the son who she lost there's a lot of seriousness in the film it, that if you could have cast it and you could have played it very differently right. but it's this sense of and I've heard the term and I'm not sure if, if this is appropriate magical yeah. realism is a part of the film there how would you describe the story of Lenore will never die
1: that was a good introduction. I yeah. guess it's um it plays out as this retired filmmaker who gets transported into the ideal version of her life.
0: There you go. Along with that, we're introduced to a son that she lost, relationship with the son that she still has, ex-husbands, and then also yes. her place in cinema, her play her and her love for cinema. We, I will just tell you before we get too far into this conversation, I love movies about movies. And this is certainly one of them. One of my favorite movies of all time is something called The Stuntman. It's a film with Peter O'Toole. And he plays a oh. director. It echoes some of the same themes here in this, in the sense that the director is in charge. He At one point in the film, he calls himself, if he says, if God could do the things that I can do, he'd be a happy man. I feel like in your film, this is played out in absurdist sort of ways, right?
1: Right. It is. It is an accurate uh, description, I'd say. I also like films about films or f- films that treat life as films like Truman Show, Sinec Nuki New York. I, love I that like Mulan Drive. <laughs> I like, uh, there's this Asian film called By the Time It Gets Dark. So I think, I think we all share the same um, idea of life as one really long film that we keep on writing and revising.
0: Yeah, and La La Land comes to mind as well as one of those It's in that similar vein. Um,
1: Purpose of Cairo. There you go.
0: Yeah. Well, casting the film, I mean, obviously, Sheila Francesco plays Lenore, and she's wonderful. She has the right amount of playfulness she brings to the role what went into your casting
1: Um, casting was equally long as our shoot and uh, the whole production process so I think we had more than 20 days and um, our process was to scout People we think would be a good fit, and ask them to read. Sometimes at home, sometimes in the office. So it was an active, constant search. And Sheila was recommended by my producers. We saw her in a play, and they just told me, "Oh, you have to see Sheila." And so I saw. I went. I saw her. She's talented. She's great. But when I met her. She just felt like she embodied so much um, of Leonor in my head. And I asked her to read. And when she read the script, she felt like a real person. And so that's probably the best thing a director could ever ask for from an actor. For them to feel real and not like they're just acting a character out. And so Sheila was that. And she also used to work in the production industry. She's also a singer. And she's a great stage actress. And she's also um, that strong, independent woman who is like Leonore. And I think we share the same sentiments on life. And also, we're both interested in having a woman in a macho genre. So it's <laughs> the similarities in, in many forms that drew me to her.
0: Yeah, Have you always been a fan of the action film genre?
1: something i've been interested in honestly no i don't even know why. i mean i know why it's it's action but i was never uh consciously interested in it i did watch a lot of filipino action films on television because in the philippines it's a normal um thing to see replays of 70s and 80s action films in afternoon tv and so in our house that would be the thing when when that's playing everyone gathers around and watches the film and it's just something that people my generation are so familiar with like if you ask anybody from the philippines around my age they could describe what a filipino action film is i can't even remember the titles but i can remember them so well because they've been played so many times and there are more than like 300 of these probably more than 500 of these films that existed. So, yeah, and and action also is the genre that I think best reflects how Filipinos see themselves as characters that need to be saved by a hero because in our politics, we have multiple action heroes. Even in our latest election, the person who won the Senate elections is an action star, and so... I think it's best to use the genre that genre to reflect the point. Yeah. Of how well, cinema can affect
0: us. Yeah. Well, I just not to stretch that point too far, but Manny Pacquiao was, isn't he, elected to Congress or the version, some he version is, of Congress? He's a congressman. Yeah, yeah. Which he's an action. In a manner of speaking, he's an action
1: here. <laughs> I mean even Duterte is like an action stars, you know yeah. it's it's uh it's strange. that's
0: true. that's right. Duterte was was fancied himself an action hero mm-hmm. more than yep. sort of a self-created myth about himself. Well, we have our version of that here, the United yeah. States when we had <laughs> Ronald Reagan who was an action hero in of, of mm-hmm. sorts in westerns. Westerns are our version of action right. films, right. And then yeah. Trump fancies himself, you know, not, I don't know if an action hero would be exactly, but someone who is, yeah, larger than life hero. Mm -hmm. That's how he puts himself up. What's been the reaction in the Philippines to the film? I assume it's screened there? and
1: It did screen. We had a limited release. Uh, We're doing self-distribution. And so um, we're really managing every screening because we know it's not a film for everyone. And so, it's really hard for us to fill in the cinemas, so we had limited screenings, but many people went. So we're done with that round. We realized that the people who like to watch films like these are either our friends and our family, and those who actually can afford um, buying movie tickets. Because in the Philippines, it's and maybe everywhere else, it's already a luxury to be in the cinemas. People aren't go to the cinemas less especially after the height of the pandemic and so it was hard for us but for those who have seen the film most of them like it because it's a happy film in a world full of sad films I'd say the reaction of the audience abroad is more um uh, how do, they're more expressive in the Philippines. it's They're not as uh, cheerful in the cinema. I remember in our screening in TIFF, it's just the loudest screening we've ever had. Like They were laughing, moving around, clapping, mm-hmm. while the whole film was playing. But in the Philippines, they're kind of um, quiet. But I think it's also because it's too familiar, so there's no reason for them to react also so it's it's always it's always different but i'd say it's good we right. didn't get the dream audience we wanted which is a lot but i mean it's a strange film so i'm not really expecting it to have uh, such a big audience
0: i want to remind our listeners we're speaking with artica ramirez escobar she is the director and writer of the film leonor will never die it is uh garnered a lot of awards and and uh, nominations i Congratulations on the Spirit Award nomination!
1: Thank you. Yeah, and then
0: did well at Sundance, and it's been. What's that ride been like for you? In you know, as an artist and as a first time, this is your first feature film, and uh, so, how do you feel?
1: Uh, I honestly feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's 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 a bunch of um, un- reasons. It's very unlikely how our film journey has been. But I also feel equally lucky and equally happy um, because apparently the film that we thought was just for us is actually resonating to so many people around the world. So that's making me extra fulfilled as a big dreamer. Um, this is a small film and so it surprises us. To get into Sundance to have distribution in the US. Even the, the spirit awards is like really weird. But we feel so so happy because it also proves that I mean small films can get noticed and probably it's it's the heart of the film that brought it to places. It's uh, we really never dreamt big, big for this film. Our idea of a big dream was to screen in a cinema with more than 10 people. And you would, uh, you can ask everyone in the production about that. That was our goal, and so everything that's happening now is beyond our goals, beyond our dreams, and so we're all really happy. And I think the best part about making the film is we had a, we formed a family from making it for so long, <laughs> and until now we like hanging out with each other. Okay. I'm traveling now with my online editor. In our trips where we try to bring someone from the team every time, just so you know, we celebrate the joy of actually screening the film.
0: Well, congratulations on all of that. And you mentioned it, and it's absolutely true. The film it has heart. And it's about again, it's about family, it's about dealing with all of the things that life brings you. The joy, the disappointments, the the existential crisis that we all face at one point or another about our own lives and our existence and where our lives are and and how we're going to deal with that in relationships and loss there's a lot in here but again it's de- it's delivered in this very rambunctious kind of way and uh that's that's its real strength is that is that you're never very far away from a smile in the film and uh, so Congratulations on on it and and uh, the the awards and all that stuff will come what may, they are they will or they won't. But you sound to me like a filmmaker, and an artist who uh, is willing to put in the work and and really willing to see something and in eight years in production is unimaginable i I know filmmaking can take a while and i know documentary filmmaking can take a while you don't know where it's going to end up but what you're talking about what you described is a true testament to uh to your your vision and um congrats thanks well thank you by the way the film is uh being distributed here in the united states through music box and it is screening beginning in the Los Angeles area on December second. There's a number of theaters that it's opening at: the Monica mm-hmm. Film Center, the Lemley, Glendale, the Alamo Draft House in downtown Los mm-hmm. Angeles, and also up in San Francisco. That's also Alamo Draft House, New Mission. That's the following week on the 9th. Okay. So be looking for the film, and I. Can't imagine that you're not going to be getting a lot of platforms beyond this, the usual suspects of iTunes and, and such fairly yeah. soon. But if you could see it in the theater, you should, because it has a big screen feel to it with all the action in in, in the frame of the film that you'll enjoy. So, well, Martika, um, gosh, eight years of doing this. I'm sure you were working on other projects. I can't imagine yeah. that you aren't already tilling the fields of creativity for your next project and uh, I hope you'll come back
1: I hope so thank you
0: you've been listening to film school radio the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films